I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) We're going to have extra noises today because we uh, are talking about, and hold on to your Twinkies, people, in the... (laughs) original 1980s package we're talking about the 2021 american supernatural comedy film ghostbusters afterlife can you stop breathing in my ear no you guys this is kind of stupid are you sure you didn't see like a raccoon or like a possum there Is that a free-floating metal muncher? Definitely class five. Okay, uh, what do we do? Let's get off. What? Let me get a photo first. It has a gunner seat? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. (laughs) Grand. (laughs) We are definitely going to spoil everything about this movie. We're going to talk all things Ghostbusters Afterlife and probably some of the relation to the OG movie. So if you have not seen this movie, I mean, it just came out. Hopefully you have seen it. Give it some box office boost. Then take a pause. Come back. Listen to this and see if you agree with what we're talking about. So this movie was directed by Jason Reitman, who co-wrote the screenplay with Gil Keenan. And it stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhan, our uh, favorite. Wow. I was going to say Supernatural. What is the name of that show that we were just talking about that he actually stars in? Stranger Stranger Things. Things? (laughs) I have to to take a nap. What? We run that back. Uh, yes. So Finn Wolfhand, which we all know from Stranger Wait, Things. But his name, isn't it like Wolfhard or something like that? I have Wolfhard on w- Wikipedia, unless I'm also wrong. <laughs> on my wiki, it says Wolfhard. What's the right wolf? Ooh. I mean, I'm not reading it from now. It's probably, I was just, it was probably a typo. <laughs> <laughs> Finn, if you're listening as an avid listener to Talking Horror, can you just um, reach out and uh, <laughs> feel free to correct us directly? I mean, just reach out in general. We would love the shout out. <laughs> love to meet you. Great fan of your work. My brain is, has stopped at the <laughs> beginning. So here we are. Uh, McKenna Grace, who is also becoming one of my favorite 
upcoming actresses. She's been featured in a lot of great things, but she does a wonderful job in this movie. And of course, Paul Rudd, given his comedic stylings and rounding out the cast, we have a bunch of OGs, which was really nice to see how they encapsulated them in this movie. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, and... Sigourney Reaver, who apparently was in the credit scene that I, I did not stay in. Oh, no. you there were two. Yeah, it says mid-credit, and I was like, wow, I just wow. I I need to go back and see if someone illegally uploaded it on YouTube and watched it. But <laughs> yeah, they all came to uh reprise their roles from the OG 84 Ghostbusters film which I'm sure we'll also be weaving in and out of this. So before we get into more things and before my brain continues to just go off the deep end, I think Muncher probably just took a piece of my brain. That's why it's, it's <laughs> happening. I need a Ghostbuster <laughs> to come and help me. As far as any trigger warnings, Jamie, do you have anything? You know, ghosts. Uh, if If... <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> but some people might be afraid of ghosts. And yeah. so to them, I say, be careful because that's that's what this is, uh, you know, centering around. At least they're busting the ghosts. They are capturing them. So if you're afraid, at least it's a movie where they're trying to uh, subdue them, hide them away from you so that you will not live in fear anymore of the ghosts. <laughs> Yeah. Beauty. <laughs> well, this is going to be a nice loopy episode. I, I can feel I, it. I'm trying to hold it together. <laughs> but usually those are the most fun, you know, just let it loose. Hey, we're just, we're just doing our best. Hashtag. Hashtag. Hashtag doing our best. We need, you know, like the imagination. We just need a hashtag doing our best. Yes. Like a rainbow. Brian's going to edit that onto our TikTok. Yes. That's what we need. (laughs) Well, before we get into it, have you guys watched anything else? I know that you guys have been on the going and seeing Broadway musical train, but have you uh, watched any scary shows, docs, movies, trailers, anything? I don't know if any if we've seen anything like explicitly Spooky horror. Things. Yeah, maybe we did. Wasn't there something we 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 watched Dune? We finally watched mm-hmm. Dune. Oh, nice! I still haven't watched that yet. Um, and there, I, I thought we did watch a Spooky Dookie one like last week. <laughs> but I Spooky. can't remember now. If we, if I think about, it, if I think of it, yeah. Well, I will say, and I asked this question only because I was attempting, I'm trying to now watch a new or something that I have not seen before every week, at least one horror movie. Oh, cool. hmm. So I have like things queued up on the Netflix and the Hulus based on people's suggestions and such, which keep suggesting them people. It's all good things, even when they're not great. So I was trying to watch <laughs> 13 Ghosts. Oh my God, and- yes. Sure. <laughs> That movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. But I I'm guess, guessing less. So. 
so now. Yes. And I heard so many things about it or, you know, in my watch mojo things, you know, it comes up and for some reason I didn't think it was going to be as like kooky as it was, as it is. Like I thought it was going to be like a true horror situation moment. And it was just like more on the comedy side, more on the campy side, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so I guess because my expectation was in a different space, I was just like, I don't know if I can really want to finish watching this right in this moment. <laughs> I want to be scared. And this is really a little campy, even though I love the actors in it. So I'll go back. Maybe I'll have a different opinion when I actually finish watching it and, and let you guys know how I feel. But if you've ever seen right. 13 Ghosts, like push me to watch it. <laughs> um, I, so stupidly, when I said, oh, we watched something, we watched Titan, which we talked about. Uh, and uh, we, we also rented Free Guy, but like, again, not, not horror related. Right. I mean, you know, you got to no. face it out. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. It's like, yeah, what was that random ass movie about like this girl and a car and a baby with the, the car spine? Like, what the fuck? Okay, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I guess we should just get into Ghostbusters Afterlife. But we need a summary. Watch the plot. <laughs> you just saw it and you're loopy. You're 100% doing this. <laughs> it gets a little blurry in some places, but we're going to try right. to make it work. <laughs> I do not know, remember the name of any character in this movie. <laughs> okay. Ghostbuster only... 1, 2, 3, and 4. Yikes. What were you going to say, Ryan? Uh, uh, I, I, I remember that Paul Rudd's character's name is Gary. <laughs> Gary. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm literally trying. Okay. Not a list of characters. I'm trying to find the cast. Callie, Gary, Trevor, Phoebe. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. Actually, you know, the only thing I do remember is podcast guy, standout character, but. Podcast. (laughs) Oh my God. He was so good. So good. And are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. Two, one. (laughs) So. We set the scene with someone, their face is not shown, but they're trying to bust a ghost because this is what this thing is about, people. And at, for some reason, he doesn't get it. He dies in the process. The ghost actually busts him. And we skip forward <laughs> to <laughs> the present time where this single mom with two kids, uh, Phoebe and Trevor, and she finds out that her father dies. And so the guy who got busted by the ghost is her father. And so now she is going back to his home to like, you know, assess things. And also she actually got evicted from her own place. So she only has the place that her father left her. And in the midst of that, they're finding all of these things and about him that they didn't know because he was very secretive and the kids find all of these ghostbuster things and, uh, randomly find a video of him yes as a ghostbuster and so all these little freaky things are happening in this little town and they're in 
I don't even know how fast the turnaround was, but a ghost appears. And so now they're like, okay, we're Ghostbusters now. We have the equipment. We're going to try to get all of the ghosts. And apparently what the father did when he died, he was trying to catch all of the ghosts, got to catch them all like Pokemon and kill them and capture them. But uh, he died in the process. So now the kids are trying to catch all the ghosts so that they don't take over the entire world. And then the OG Ghostbusters come and help them do that. And there's something along the lines with like uh, a gatekeeper, a key keeper and a guard and uh, this lady that's like the head of all the ghosts, but they capture all of them and they are now Ghostbusters and will try to continue on the tradition of Ghostbusters. That is afterlife. <laughs> Good job. And that's the plot. Goodness. <laughs> the high stress I'm of it all. I was going to say job. <laughs> <laughs> A job was done. Whether or not it was good, it was done. No, I'm kidding. That was uh, great. No. <laughs> Grand. So with that awful plot summary, apologies. Uh, this is obviously all of our first time watching this because this movie, it just came out this weekend and we had to watch it in a theater. It's not even streaming anywhere, which is a really crazy thing to be like, okay, let's go and find a movie time and go and see this thing. So did you have any like particular experiences while watching this in a theater with other people, I will say that I was the only one in the theater when I watched it on a Monday at 4.15. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, it was fantastic. Um, we saw it with somebody named Gary. So anytime Gary oh, nice. his name in the movie, we all laughed <laughs> because he was goofy and it was wonderful. <laughs> oh, Paul Rudd. Yeah, you know, people were people. Our, our theater was very into the movie. It was it was full. People, there was a good energy in the room, and and and, and everyone seemed to genuinely enjoy it. In the room. Do you? And I think we talked about this before, but do you feel like other people's energies and experiences kind of sway you one way or another about a certain movie? Like, if you might watch it again by yourself and think, oh, I actually don't really like this, but you liked it in the moment at the theater because maybe everyone else was so into it. Do you find that you sway yourself with the audience that you're with or no? You're just like, I know what I like. I don't think I'm like influenced by other theater goers, but I'm like, now I'm trying to think if like, I don't know. I, I feel like a movie experience in New York is like a very specific movie going experience because people are like very, and, and this probably exists in other places, but I've only noticed it more since we've moved to Philadelphia where like people aren't particularly like vocal or like cheering in the moments that like, you know, people are cheering in the theater and, right. and like it used to have, I mean, you know, we would see uh, all of the like Marvel movies coming out and, um, the, the like first releases that were coming out. So like it was packed and like the energy was palpable and you could like feel that. And like, that was really exciting. And so like, I haven't noticed it as of late, like feeling the energy of other people and feeling like, Oh, now I'm really into this. Or like, Oh, everyone seems to hate this. And I hate this too. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is, 
different, like feeling that energy of like in, in watching an Avengers movie and, or even just watching this movie and just like seeing everybody come together, especially at the end when all of the OG Ghostbusters were there, like helping along. And mm-hmm. those moments were just like, yes, this is, this is it. This is like the climax that we were looking for. You know, this is the release of everything that was happening of the tension in the story and all that jazz. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it is interesting to, watch it in a theater and experience with other people. I think even if I do like the movie, I like it more because of the experience, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really sway me necessarily about the quality or the content in the movie, but it's just like now because I'm feeling this energy with other people, it's like a heightened experience and like a heightened memory that I have of it, Mm -hmm. of like enjoying it a lot more because I'm with other people and energies that are enjoying it as well, if that makes sense. I probably won't make sense at all in this podcast, and it's totally fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> You're doing great. 10 yeah, out of that 10. Would, that makes sense. Fantastic. <laughs> no, just uh, needing reassurance and <laughs> validation. Uh, but yeah, so initial thoughts about this movie. Have you seen all of the other Ghostbuster movies like leading up to this? Are you a super fan of the franchise or of the chain? Uh, this is the fifth, well, actually, sixth installment, if you count the uh, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, Ghostbusters, right? Because that was there was like four Ghostbuster movies, and then that one, and then this one. I think there's only four. Oh, okay, so that was the fourth one. Was Afterlife Kate McKinnon? No, this one. Oh. I mean, I know as far as like timeline, but just in general, like the Ghostbusters chain, there's only four. Because mm-hmm. oh. the, so the first one goes, go, the, the Ghostbusters yeah. um, came out in 84 and then uh-huh. Ghostbusters 2 came out in um, the best year to be born, 1989. Yes. And then um, there was talks like forever to do a trilogy, but like, a lot of different reasons why that didn't happen. And then, um, and then the Kate McKinnon one, I think like was kind of this resurgence, um, even though it didn't really like include any of the original people, if I remember correctly. And then um, this one kind of, but yeah, they make cameos, but not as themselves. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then this one kind of like, was like, okay, that happened. Maybe we're not going to address that. We're just going to revisit the original text um, as this like holy text and then kind of keep going from there. So I think it's just four. Okay. I'm gonna, I don't know, what I, I don't know if the random male noise in the background knows more about the no. busting of ghosts. I just, there was a cartoon series in the early, like late 80s, mm. early 90s that I mm-hmm. loved growing up. But, but, but in terms of like, big screen movies those these are the only ones okay was was slimer like more in the the show like the cartoon slimer was a character in the show he was like their wacky like animal pal who lived in the fire station with them obsessed Um, (laughs) yes all the toys growing up all all the things you had a little trapper and like the jumpsuit yeah, all moment. those toys but but not from the movie from the cartoon series yes like I, yeah. yeah like i i watched the cartoon series way more than i watched the movies 
I probably didn't even see the movie until like I was in middle school or high school or something like that. Uh, mm. Like, like this movie, I am not. This movie does not mean a lot to me. I enjoy these mm-hmm. movies, but like mm-hmm. I do not have the same nostalgia for this as I do for other things. Um, yeah, that's uh, fair. So like, the fandom for Ghostbusters is great, and it's super toxic in some places, and it's really wonderful in other places, mm. like most fandoms. But like, this is not the fandom that I. I am not a fan of this movie the way that they are. I am not a fan of this way the movie the way I am of Star Wars or right. know, n- name any of the other ones that I'm probably more of. Um, but yeah, yeah, this one just like, I don't know. When you when you watch, not to go on a tangent, but when you watch this movie, when you watch the original Ghostbusters movie in a different time, that humor does not connect. Like the, the mm. humor in that movie is funny in places, but like, I don't, I love Bill Murray. I do not find eighties Bill seventies and eighties Bill Murray movies funny at all. I don't. I don't find because and maybe it's because of the time I grew up and like what I find funny and what I find funny in movies. I think mm-hmm. I I enjoy the hell out of Bill Murray in any movies. He is not belly laugh funny to me at all. I think uh, Brian, you're giving us a hot take. And that was a hot take. Oh, hot take alert. Take alert. Because there might be some people who will wrestle you to the death about Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cool. Don't I, get I, mad at like, Nikisha and I. We are, are, we are separate people. Take it out. I think on that. Him. On I random male life. <laughs> I think that most people would disagree with me. Uh, but like, I, 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 do I giggle? I chuckle. But like, <laughs> It's not like that's not my sense of brand of humor. Um, one and two, um, like I think hot, another hot take. Mm-hmm. I think Groundhog's Day. I don't enjoy the movie Groundhog Day at all. I don't. I don't think you. Okay. I don't believe the change in the cat. I think Bill Murray is charming and wonderful and a dirtbag and a nice. Like I think. Like, but I. I just there's something about it that like does doesn't click with me. I, whatever the case may be. So like. That's my hot take. I like the musical Groundhog Day better than the movie because I think it actually gave the character a real arc and you believe yeah. the change. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, that that's for another day. Um, uh, I watched the car. To, to, in conclusion, I watched the cartoon more than the movie. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask you if you watched uh, the musical because that's the only thing I have seen. I have not watched the movie Groundhog Day, but I did sure. enjoy the musical. Uh, very interesting hot take, Brian. Okay, I vaguely remember the cartoon. Jamie, did you ever watch the Ghostbusters cartoon? I mean, I think I did. Like in the same way, it's like a very distant mm-hmm. memory in the back of my head. Um, like possibly, I, I don't know. Probably around the same time, I was like really into Power Rangers. Nice. Now, have <laughs> you seen the first two Ghostbuster movies? Yes. I have watched them quite a few times, I think. Um, They're the kind of movies that would be on TV like all the time. And then if it was on, I would just be like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give this a whirl again. Um, So I, I'm not like obsessed with it, but I, I think that they are really good. I think the sequel actually like is a really good sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, I think they're both like, pretty funny i also like i've seen the third one um i don't hate it like some people do um 
I, I think, you know, they like kind of copy and paste the formula of like get four funny people together in a room and then like, you know, what's the theme ghosts cool go. And then, and then they go. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm like open to whatever they want to do. I don't feel like they can't like futz around with stuff as I maybe feel with other properties that they should just leave alone. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. <laughs> But that's probably also just based on how invested you are in that particular chain that you would say, I don't want you to mess with totally, you know, original or, and if it's not, you know, your thing, but you're kind of into it, you're like, okay, do whatever. Like, as long as the story is good, you know? Yeah. Like I'm sure Brian would have very strong feelings if like he found out that they were rebooting monster squad. (laughs) His favorite. (laughs) I mean, I, I have a lot to say about that stuff. I, I I think that, I think that it's a shame that people think that making sequels of things they loved is going to retroactively like affect the way that they love things. Like Mm -hmm. if we're going to get into this movie, I think that this movie is, I like this movie a lot. I think it treats the original. This is a, an amazing example of how fandom influences movies. Mm -hmm. Like this movie is cut and paste more or less from the first one. And then the yes. end of this movie is just fan service. And and it does it work? That's something we can talk about. Does it make you emotional and immature? But the tone of this movie is nothing like the other Ghostbusters movies. This one is an 80s, like, Goonies kids movie that mm-hmm. happens to bring those people back at the end. This is, this is, like, in the genre of, like, kids doing things in the summer type of movie. You know, Absolutely. like like a monster squad, like a Goonies, like like a Stranger. This is what Stranger Things is. Um, yes. So, like, I think that it, it it like and and that's also some of the problem with the Star Wars new Star Wars movies. They just like everything treats the original with such reverence, and it and it, it begs the question: Who are these movies for? Are these mm. movies just to like? make us have like individual like the fans happy which like could make more money yada 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 or is this for like let's take this concept and do something super cool with it like and bring in a new audience yeah this movie did not do that at all which is fine i'm not criticizing the movie for that but like but this movie also does just like does a little copy and paste like shakes a little pixie dust on it at the end it makes it like this it's just literally the same movie as the first one and more i mean like in terms of plot wise and like the jokes are i, I was laughed the whole time but joke wise it's a very different tone these are like you know it's not deadpan it's like very like quick you know one-liners things like that there's again this i really like this movie i i'm not saying that i didn't i but i recognize how fans, especially because of the Kate McKinnon one with Paul Feig that Paul Feig mm-hmm. directed, that was mm-hmm. so rejected by by a fan base that like you, I might even try to like talk about that right now. But like yeah. that movie that was rejected for whatever reasons, um, they were just like, you know, that this is you know, like like the sec- like the Last Jedi versus like the other Star Wars movies, like they just fans like the, the people. There's comfort food and they're stepping outside of the box. People want comfort food. And if you want comfort food and you get something that like is something you've never tried before when you when you're expecting McDonald's, like it's just not going to fly. And so like this is exactly what that was. This was comfort food, some really fun characters, some really funny jokes, uh, kind of mediocre movie in general that I actually really enjoyed the movie theater. But like 
this just says a lot about fandom and how Hollywood and script writers see that fandom. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to expand upon that, and then we can get deeper into how they were at least trying to give some of the characters like reasons for things that they were doing and how they were acting uh, as far as their character arcs, however big or small we want to talk about, you know, that. But I will say, Jamie, that I also, a couple of things, I also vaguely remember watching the cartoon but every time the movie was on tv i would just watch it and i don't think i've ever watched from start to finish either of the movies i probably have a bunch Mm. of different combinations of both of the movies as the plot like i don't know which goes to what you know like the Mm -hmm. marshmallow like in new york i don't even know which one that is but i remember seeing that scene a lot okay so the first one (laughs) uh (laughs) great But it was definitely just like, it's on TV, I'll sit here and watch it. Or because my dad grew up in the age of liking, you know, Dan Aykroyd. And Mm. so you would sit there and watch it and I'll be like, okay, I'll share this thing with you. Um, (laughs) But I will say though, when Ghostbusters 3 came out, I was super into it because like you said, Jamie, it's just here's a bunch of funny people. Let's just put them together. But I love those funny people. And I want to watch them. I don't care mm-hmm. what the context is. And it is one thing to assume getting something from this particular chain. But if you're just throwing those funny people into the mix, like to me, the expectation was very low. I'm not, I wouldn't expect this to be a high quality, make me think revamp reinvention of the chain. I just mm-hmm. want to see people be funny. That's mm-hmm. it. And I think that that's what the movie gave you. It's just them being dumb, doing stupid shit. And it's just, and they are just, it's just the theme of, like Brian said, of just Ghostbusters, you know, whatever. So when I heard that there was such craziness about that particular one, it's like, well, what? What were y'all expecting this to be so mm-hmm. then to now come into this movie and it's definitely more grounded like there's more of a, a storyline and as even if it is the exact replica of the first one like the characters are feel more grounded than Ghostbusters 3 and sure. at least the family is taking you on a journey of like how they are now the next ones to take on this responsibility of having all this equipment and protecting, you know, quote unquote, protecting the world and all that jazz. Uh, so I enjoyed it for that. And I thought it was well-made. I like the cinematography of everything. I like how everything was introduced. And even though there were moments that I missed because I'm not an avid fan, I'm sure there were so many little nuggets and things that, like Brian said, were feeding the fandom. I still enjoyed it for what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a cool movie. These you know, kids are doing things. I thought the acting was amazing. Like the boy who played podcast was phenomenal. Like breakout <laughs> character to me. He was just like, <laughs> it's comedic timing. He was just on it every time, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just like, and I thought it was really nice that uh, Finn in Stranger Things, they all like for Halloween dressed up as Ghostbusters and now he's like in the next Ghostbusters movie. I thought that was really amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just the introduction of uh, Harold um, in his CGI formed, I thought that was really like nice and 
kudos to the actors. I mean, I don't know what their actual relationship with this man was, but to be asked to kind of act or like see him in this way, like knowing that he has passed and all that's like, it's, I mean, I would love to hear how they felt about that whole thing, but can we just get into some of the groundedness of it? I mean, we're talking about a family who doesn't have a father figure, the mother who's trying to hold things together was quote unquote abandoned by her own father. And Mm -hmm. so now because they're just trying to get by, you know, they're getting evicted and they're going to another place. They don't know what's happening. The kids are pretty young, you know, what's 15 and 11, I think is what the the ages are um, for the boy and the girl for Phoebe and Trevor. Mm -hmm. And my first question just involving the anxiety of that, of like leaving a place that you, you are comfortable with to go to somewhere that you don't know. And the fact that the mother didn't even tell her kids that they were actually moving for forever and not just a week. Yeah. I Can don't talk recommend about, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh... Not, not the best, not ideal. No, not ideal. And starting, you know, a, a life and starting a new life, you know, it's easier for an adult to say, Hey, we're just going to go and do this and I'll figure this out. But you know, for if you're 11, if you're 15, like starting off something, starting out in a new place, like talk to me about what can kind of trigger that sense of like trying to find groundedness, trying to find belonging, which is what Phoebe's character really is that's her whole journey is just belonging. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about how like moving, you know, from your home to another place can affect that kind of journey when you're already feeling like an outcast? Yeah. I mean, like moving is hard. I mean, I think moving is hard, like literally at any age and I'm including adulthood um, (laughs) because like it's, I mean, it's just like a really intense and like sometimes traumatic situation um, when you are, like you said, like uprooted from the things that you know and familiarity and, and dropped in a place that like you have no connection to and, and like doesn't feel familiar. Um, it's totally scary and, and unsettling and, and like, you know, part of it is, um, the young daughters, like maybe never really found that connection because she's smart and like smarter than everybody else, including her mom. Um, Mm -hmm. and like likely smarter than other kids, her age, we are to assume. Um, and so it's like, how, how do you bridge those gaps and like make connection when like you, you might feel like you don't have anything in common because like there isn't that common ground of being from the same place, like at that point in, in, you know, your, your life and development and things like that. Um, and so like, it's, it's great that she is able to connect with podcast, (laughs) (laughs) um, because I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they really like say anything about him kind of also being an outcast, but like, that's kind of the impression I think they want you to get. And so like two outcasts kind of bonding over both being on the outside and that that brings them close together. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think either way, like 
that still can be really hard, like regardless of what age you are. And, and I, I think that like school, like young, like when you're young, there's also like a lot of resilience and, and school can be this place where like, because you have these shared experiences, you can start to like build those connections from, from that. Like, I think, you know, that's why people joke that it's so hard to make friends as an adult, but like, it's true because there's less, like there's less of those, um, like built in life experiences that are kind of structured and everybody's going through them together. So like college, um, where like everyone's, you know, in the same boat, like all like elementary through high school, it's like the same thing. We're all doing the same thing, working towards the same things, even though like you are uprooted and like brought into a different place. Like there's still that, that can bring you together with, with new people in a new town that you move to. But like, it's easy saying this as an adult and like trying to, you know, help a a child like adjust and, and like understand. Um, and like, depending on the age, like it can be really hard. I moved when I was in, um, uh, when I was starting fourth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, and and like, I, I remember like, just like being so upset and, and like, you know, left my, my best friends behind from, from Hebrew school and from elementary school. Um, but then I like made friends and I'm like trying to even think about like, what were the things that helped me? But I think it was just like, we all hated our fourth grade teacher together. I don't know. It's like stuff like that, that you like have these shared experiences and, and that's like, those are the ways that you like find connection with others. And like, you're like, Oh, we have something in common. We both hate this person or like, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, hopefully it's beyond just like a mutual hatred of things. For someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question. (laughs) No, no, no. This is great. Well, this like leads me to another thing because I was thinking like, sorry, I just want to, it's, um, Aside from Ghostbusters Afterlife, I feel like that moving trope cliche, based on what you said, is used a lot because it isolates them. It makes them lonely. It gets we're from their point of view. So we get to meet these new characters with them and then go Mm -hmm. on this adventure with them. I feel like that happens a lot, especially in horror movies, because you're Mm -hmm. with new people connecting up against a fear or an adventure or something like that. Yeah, no, I think. I think you're right. Like it's, it, it does kind of, I mean, I feel like it's the start of like haunted house movies or mm-hmm. like a lot of things where it's like people, people, I, I don't know, made me think of like sinister um, where they move into a new house and like discover all of this stuff. But yeah, I think that, I guess I didn't really think about it being used as like, or being overused. I think it's still, I, I think there's still so many places that you can go with like, I'm new in town or (laughs) whatever that looks like. Like a Western. That sounded like a Western. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We're a Western podcast now. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That is an an interesting thought. Cause even you talking about Sinister, that just made me think of the conjuring cause they move into the house and there's just Mm -hmm. so much history there, but it, it can all just go so many different ways. But that begs uh, a question that might be a little bit deeper and <laughs> long-winded for this podcast, but yeah. the sense of belonging, like 
everyone's trying to belong. Where does that need even come from? Is that like an innate nature that we're born with? Like, is that specific to our human nature, our species to always like want to find community, like want to find a sense of belonging? And even people who like, I definitely consider myself heavily introverted and Mm -hmm. enjoy my space and enjoy my time to recharge. But there is always a sense of like, when the door is open, I do want the company. I do want the community with people. You know, I do want the Mm -hmm. deeper connections, but where does that all like stem from in 10 words or less? (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) I think I'm already failing. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that there's like a ton of different like theories and, and, um, uh, why can't I think of the word? Um, I don't know, like research into connections to others. I mean, it does, it makes me think of, um, at least some different like theories of human behavior, like, um, and this might be like too theoretical, but these are all things that I had to, I had to memorize them for, you know, school and all that stuff. But like, it's for this um, moment. Tell me all. <laughs> <laughs> like when we talk about like attachment style, like we learn yes. how to connect based on how we connect with our parents in from like when we are infants and, and children. Um, there's other like theories of um, of like deve- of like child development, but um, I think our there's one there's Eric Erickson who does. Um, there's like eight different stages of, of development, like trust versus mistrust and like blah, blah, blah. And basically like, you know, we, as we are getting older, we like grow through these stages, but we can get stuck in some of these stages based on like experiences that happen to us. And like, how does that then manifest in different, you know, mental health things. Um, but, uh, and now I can't remember the rest of the stages, but, um, I mean, I think it, it just speaks to like that. There's so many different ways we're talking about these, these theories all the time because there's like so many different perspectives, but it's all ultimately talking about the same things, which is like how we're relating to others, how we're connecting to others. How does that in turn, like help us understand ourselves and our identities and like who we want to be. And, and like, you know, if there's any element that's like not working for us, how does that then manifest in like anxiety or depression or other things? And so, um, I, I think that there is like this compulsion or even like, um, uh, Maslow's like hierarchy of needs. Like, you know, there's, there's the base level things that we need, um, you know, like, uh, food, water, like things to survive. But like, as you're moving up the hierarchy, like it gets, it gets more, um, not abstract, but just like, it's not just the things that you need to like literally be alive, but also like the things that are fulfilling you and like helping you work towards self-actualization. So like Mm. connections to others, um, like a sense of purpose, like all of those things, like those are like higher degrees of enlightenment, whatever, like those are the things that are keeping us going once we've, you know, established like our, our base needs and things like that. Um, so I, I think that there are these, there's all kinds of things that can like explain, you know, our, our desire to be connected to people one way or another, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or 
I think there's an ambivert. I don't know if I made that. Yeah. Point. No, I've heard, I've That's, heard that. Okay. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to say that it could be false. I hear a lot of things, but I've heard that word before. <laughs> Ambidash- ambidextrous. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me, there was a Nickelodeon show called Ambi and Dexter. And it wasn't until my twenties that I realized it was ambidextrous. Wait, that's a, I've never, first of all, I've never heard of that, but second of all, that's so clever. And also a thing that I never would have gotten as a kid and would have been like, Oh my God, that blows my brain. Yes. It literally starts off with like two hands and then they turn into kids and they're like drawing things. It's like a boy and a girl and it's like (laughs) me and Dexter, but it's ambidextrous Mm. because they're moving. They can do all the things anyway. Uh, so with that and Brian, you can also weigh on, on this too. Do you feel like that trope of, you know, the basis of the movie is really Phoebe, like finding her way and finding her sense of belonging. Do you think in this movie that works? Does that help you invest more in the characters as you're you're watching this? Or was it just like, this isn't doing anything for me. Like I'm not invested in, in her particular story or even with the mother and, you know, going back to or reconciling with her father at the end. Like, do you think that that assisted in this or it was just something they tried to do and fell flat? I think that's why the movie is enjoyable because I I got really into the characters and the people and they were funny and they were, they were relatable. And I think that that's why this movie kind of works if that makes sense um yeah uh, uh because we don't get to ghostbusters things until like halfway into the movie when they're watching it on youtube or they get into the basement we as an audience member know this is a ghostbusters movie but the characters mm-hmm. don't know this is about ghostbusters until halfway through um yeah and i think that the family's relationship with each other their funny quips make us like warm up to them much faster um carrie coon kind of is a spectacular actress and wonderful mm-hmm. i'll see her in anything just makes that character very warm um and and i think that and i think that watch and the fact that mckenna grace is such a good actress like mm-hmm. allows us into that that mind space that headspace and then paul rudd is just like fun to watch i think all of that allowed us to step into this new version of a world we know and mm-hmm. uh just like and 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 accept the things that are kind of weird and crazy, like plot stuff. Like I accept plot stuff. I accept plot holes. I accept plot wackadoo things in movies where I just like hanging out with the characters or watching the characters hang out. Mm-hmm. But in something where I'm just like a kind of like, I don't really like, like these characters are a little bit boring or like, this is all just plot development. There's no like character, there's no like charm or charisma to it. That's when I'll be like, and the plot was kind of stupid because of this. And this one, I'm just like, it was so much fun to hang out with them. I don't care about X, Y, and Z. Like, I know it's wackadoo, but like, I'm totally yeah. answer. So to answer your question in short, yeah, I think that is why the movie is enjoyable. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? Um, sorry, my brain just totally short-circuited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I- good. You're telling me a lot of theories, so... <laughs> understandably so yes <laughs> my brain is mush no totally fine understandable i think uh, there's a ghost that's like eating the things in my if there was a ghost that was eating brains i mean then that i guess that'd be a zombie movie but it's still like 
a, a, a spirited figure, like something that could like go through you, you know, like a zombie sure. you can touch and push over. So you're onto something. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so we're here for. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brian, I feel the same way in the sense of the investment in the characters and in the family led me to be like, okay. Cause some of the, I feel like the ending of the movie was kind of fast and how they were revealing with the ultimate ghost person who had her two like lackeys and that kind of all came about. And I was like, where did all this come from? Even though I know it is in some form of the first movie, just how they got to that point was just so fast that I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. Did I blink and miss something or is, you know, whatever. But I was like, okay, I'll deal with it because I am on this journey with these people and I am rooting for them to succeed, even though I do have questions about how we got to certain places, but we're here and that's okay. So I'll deal with it. Uh, Yeah. As far as, and this is just a, (laughs) a question with the mother, because I thought that that was kind of like a a sweet moment. We talk a lot about families who like have their past and hide their secrets and how that affects you. And in this instance, she really isn't even concerned with that. She's just like, okay, he did whatever he did. People thought about him, however they thought about him, but I'm just trying to focus on the present and my kids. I'm not trying to look back at what was going on with him. So it's interesting to just see her journey of having her father abandon her. Uh, obviously there's not a, she doesn't have a partner in her life. She's a single mom and they don't really speak on what happens with him. He's just not around anymore, but how can having that representation of a parental figure, the abandonment, you know, kind of, and obviously we don't have kids, but how can that affect how you raise your own kids? And do you think that, her story of how she's connecting with her kids now is a believable one based on what we know about her past and how she was raised. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it connects to like talking about attachment styles um, and how like the relationships that we like the ones that are modeled for us and what we experience can often inform how we then relate to uh, in other relationships, our own children, Um, you know, having like that sense of abandonment or um, like an inconsistent parent, like that absolutely can have a negative impact on how we connect to others. Cause like her, definitely her parenting seemed really like blase kind of disconnected Mm -hmm. not like checked out like obviously she like she was concerned when she had to get them from jail um but that was also like the most emotive I think she was towards her children um which then it's like oh is she only like reacting like only giving attention for negative things with about like positive Mm -hmm. reinforcement which also like you know how is that then impacting her kids? And, and I think like, then you see, um, McKenna Grace, like have this frustration around not knowing who her grandfather was like that connection. And -hmm. like, how does not sharing that information also like influence the relationship and like, in turn, like what is then like 
intergenerational trauma, like what's then like continually being passed down. Um, and so, but yeah, like, I think, I think that there is something to the way that the mom is interacting with her kids that like tracks based on the fact that like she herself has no relationship with her father, which Mm -hmm. then makes it less, I, I definitely agree with Brian that I feel like the end is like really fan servicey because then like what she sees this like board of pictures of her mm-hmm. and like it, everything gets resolved. And now I'm going back to like, love, love solves everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, like it, it's like, I, I, in that moment, I'm like, can we make it like a little more real of just like, I'm glad that, you know, he didn't totally forget about me and us, but like, it still doesn't make up for the fact that he was absent and like completely disconnected from his family this whole time. Absolutely. And literally just, I mean, it takes time to process trauma. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. for all that to be kind of undone in a couple of scenes, is just like, what is that? But I will say when you were talking about uh, the daughter trying to connect with her grandfather, I thought in that instance, it was nice though that the mother didn't reprimand her or try to stray her away from her interest in science. Mm-hmm. Since that was, you know, a big part of, even though she didn't really realize why he left, but I mean, she knew like what he did for a living and, or what yeah. he was interested in. So I, I, that is, nice that even though he abandoned her, she still didn't kind of like take that trauma line and say like, you don't need to be interested in this specific thing. Cause I mean, I think there are a lot of movies that are like that. And what Mm -hmm. comes to mind is sister act two, when the mom was like telling Lauren Hill, like singing doesn't pay the bills and all the because her husband left her because of music. Like he died trying to, you know, have that life. And she's like, my daughter won't even, even if she is gifted in this area, she's not going to do that kind of thing, which I guess speaks to just like you talking about people's different, like not attachment styles, but just their different trauma in relation to even the the same kind of like abandoning or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah. That is it. That is an interesting thing. I can we just talk about the ending? Like, how did you feel about how they brought up all of the rest of the? Because they only introduced like Dan Aykroyd, and then all of them are just you know there at the end. Like, as people obviously we said a thousand times that we're not like fandoms of this. Was it still nice to see that? Was it believable that they were there? Or do you feel like that entire scene was just servicing the fans? I mean, I will say that tears welled up in my eyes because, yeah, like they, I got got. I don't know what else to say, you know? Um, You know, when, when it's the fan service, it's the nostalgia, like they're, they're, poking at you intentionally. And for me, it, it like, it got me. So I can't say like, you know, like how mad can I be if I'm also like affected by it? Um, but I'm sure others who like are less connected, I I can imagine them being like, okay, like what you, that like, what? (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> like what is happening? What is going on? I will say one thing that did kind of like turn my head a little bit was in it. Brian spoke of this a little bit, just the humor back then and the humor now and the humor of this movie in general. And it felt like when the OG actors came in, a lot of the humor, I'm sure it was probably just a improvised and they're like, just say whatever you want to say. They just want to see you on the screen, you know? And so some of the humor that or some of their banter between them, I was just kind of like, this kind of doesn't really fit in the humor and the things that are, you know, happening within the movie. It just feels like they're just letting them kind of be, but it's a different, it's taking me out of it just a little bit. Did y'all feel any of that way? Or it's just like, no, I'm just happy to see him. <laughs> um, like, mm. I don't know. Like at that point I was just like into it. So like, I yeah. didn't think of it and anything other than like, cool. Like this is, this is, these are the moments we came to see this. Movie. And yeah. So, sure. like, um, so I felt similarly to Jamie, like I recognize all of the things that ethically might be wrong about it. That like, that like just like feel kind of fan servicey, but that was I tearing up in my seat. Yeah, of course I was because I'm not a monster <laughs> person. Um, but yeah, I, I the, the, just in that moment it was just like yeah, it, it's 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 you know the Bill Murray jokes, the this, the that. Like I'm just like I'm into it. It's cool, whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like that's just kind of uh, again it's, it's being in a like, movie theater, being in a movie theater where everybody was like eating it up, like. You can't like it's almost like impossible for your your energy to be the contrarian in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I was in the movie theater by myself, so <laughs> I had no one swaying me. I was like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm loving seeing you on here, but everything it was it was just like a shift in tone and dialogue that I was just like, I don't know, but mm. okay, yeah, it definitely was. It absolutely was a shift in tone. Yeah, because the, their jokes felt more like the '80s movie, like you said. And yeah, it was. You're, I mean, totally. All in all, though, I I mean, I did appreciate it. Do you have uh, any other thoughts? Any moment? I have, a, I have a question for you. I mean, I know you mentioned that you liked it, but like in terms of being an actress, like mm -hmm. ethically, like CGI giving a performance for you using your likeness, like. Like, how do you feel about that? That's kind of wild. He's it dead. is wild, which is why I was like, I'm wondering how the other actors felt doing that because you, who allowed that to happen? I mean, like, is that okay? I don't know. I think I would feel some type of way, like having a CGI version of my dead friend in this sure. movie because we want to have all four of them there for, you know what I mean? Like there's other ways that they could have his other ways to remember him than just see, but I mean, you could say the same thing though with, well, I guess it might be, it's a little different, but like the fast and furious, but it was just because like half the movie was already, I think filmed yeah, before yeah. he mm -hmm. passed. So they were going to finish, even though that's still like a little icky to me. Like, it's just, sure. if it's a done deal, it's a done deal. Like, let's just have another, let's have another movie. Let's address what happened, you know, in some form or fashion and like move forward. Not, mm -hmm. we've already spent time on this. Let's just have his brother be his body. It's just a little, yeah. But 
All that to say, it's, I mean, it's it's weird. It is a lot. And I'm sure people were, I thought it was sweet to involve him. But again, I just kind of feel for those actors. I wouldn't want to try to imagine that a person that I was close with that past is like present and there and I have to act react to that being like that's a little that's a little too much for me personally (laughs) so yeah but other than that I thought the the whole thing the whole movie overall was like a good ride a good summer I mean it's like a summer blockbuster movie like it's this is the movies that come out in the summertime in the fall but that was supposed (laughs) to come out last two summers ago whenever it was supposed to come out but it's just like a feel good you know cute movie about Busting some ghosts. So yeah. I dig Bustin, it. Busting makes me feel good as the song goes. <laughs> Is that what the song says? Yes. Busting makes me feel good. I will say though, I hate the the smart girl glasses trope. Mm-hmm. I don't think that mm-hmm. it's necessary. It's like just let her be smart. And if she has to have glasses, because that in moves the story forward okay (laughs) yes as jamie pushes up her own glasses yeah otherwise how will anyone know that i am smart exactly unless i wear glasses that take up one third of my face i will say though your frames are great so oh thank you so much i buy direct you should sponsor us (laughs) (laughs) absolutely any last thoughts or should we move on to and tomatoes. I liked it. I would see another one. I'm always surprised that this concept hasn't like meshed over the past like 30 years where like you just have different busters finding ghosts in different places <laughs> different and the yeah. is different each time. You can have like these people doing it here and it, like this is just like built to be a true chain. And the fact yes. that all the political stuff and the money and the friendships and whatever got in the way is wild because the concept is just so sound. And like, and also like, it's like, again, fandom, it's like so revered and like, and even though the movie was like, the original one was like kind of thrown together and written as they went along and it worked like, like this should just be a concept that works all the time. And the fact that we've only gotten like a handful, not even a handful of movies is like Mm. a wild thing, but I enjoyed this one. I would see some other ones that came up again. The comedy is different than the first ones, but like I, I had a fun time. I know it's kind of a mediocre movie in general, but like, it was it was been a while since I laughed in a movie theater a lot, and it wasn't quote the Ryan Reynolds like comedy, if you will. Like absolutely, there were yeah. actual jokes. We were laughing. It wasn't commenting on something happening. I feel mm-hmm. like that happens a lot now, where you have like I call it the Ryan Reynolds brand of comedy, where it's like as Deadpool or in Free Guy, just like commenting snarkily on the things that are happening, as opposed mm-hmm. to like there actually being like lines and jokes in between people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, people are loving that breaking fourth wall mockumentary style thing now. Totally, and the fact that totally. it's coming into movies more often, it's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's like, we're gonna bring you along. We're gonna make sure that you are invested with us. It's like I can just watch you do the things and you know, <laughs> laugh at what's happening without mm-hmm. you like telling me. It's like point you're like pointing at it and saying, laugh at this. But anyway, that's another story for another day. 
Last thing I will say, I did appreciate the Cujo and Chucky VHSs that they were playing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. 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 <laughs> that was funny. And the MVP is podcast because you know what was one of the lines he said? Oh, it really, it really gets better on episode forty-six. Oh my god! Oh, at the end when when um, Dan Aykroyd, you yes. find out is is his one. Oh, you're my subscriber. Oh, that that fantastic! I got it. I I fully empathize and connected with podcast. And when he says you're my one subscriber, and he got so happy, and they connected, mm-hmm. and he like made another friend, like. I, I like it. Was just there were just a lot of feel good moments in this movie, and like, yes. and it's always nice to like have the that genuine connection and stuff. And and I, I found that myself, I found myself finding that a lot in this this Ghostbusters film. Yeah, good things. Should we guess the scores? Yeah, let's do some Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so what do we think the Rotten Tomatoes for this is? I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a 76. Ooh. 76, all right, all right, all right. I was going to say 78. Do it. Say 78. (laughs) Hold on, I didn't pull it up because I'm... Tisk tisk tisk. I'm the bad boy of podcasting. I don't know. Oh my god! When we asked you to do this podcast, Nikisha, I don't think we told you that I'm the bad boy of podcasting. Well, I mean, you already have so many other things. All you have, all the podcasts. Too many. Or you're the the random male noise in a bunch of podcasts. (laughs) Thank you. Um, okay, say your number. Hold on. Say your numbers again. Sorry. <laughs> I said 76. Jamie said 78. Okay. Well, this has I had it up the whole time. You know how it is. Um oh, this yeah. has a this has a 62%. Oh. Okay. Still considered fresh. Uh the mm. critics consensus, the audience score is a 95%. I will point out. Oh, nice. Um hmm. Critics' consensus is Ghostbusters Afterlife crosses the streams between franchise revival and an exercise in nostalgia. And this time around, the busted mostly feels good. (laughs) Mostly feels good. Okay. I mean, that whole car chasing scene, I was into it. Mm. That was cute. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was really good. The action sequences were well done. The the special Mm -hmm. effects were really good. Like, like... I and I never felt like it was too overly special effecty in some yeah. places. Mm-hmm. Also, we didn't even talk about J.K. Simmons and, and Olivia Wilde giving cameos in this movie. Oh yeah, it was wild. Wait, when <laughs> J.K. Simmons was the guy in the glass case who is technically oh. the guy that like built the building in the first yes. one. Yes, yeah, yes. and then Olivia Wilde was. Um, Gozer. Uh, Gozer. No way. Mm-hmm. Who's in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But not Olivia but, Wilde. As it right. Is. Obviously. <laughs> that, that would be wild. That oh would be Olivia Wilde. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's do uh, uh, the four yes, S's. Skull, scare, shakes, and 
questions the talking horns four s's <laughs> okay so here we are with the four s's we have skulls scares shakes and suggestions uh nikisha why don't you start with skulls uh which is how they handle handle uh mental health and human behavior uh i mean it doesn't really talk about it much it gives you i'm gonna give it a seven i'll say that because what they do talk about as we have discussed helps add to the story and helps you become more invested and it Mm -hmm. gives it more of a sense of groundedness uh as far as like Talking about mental health, obviously, that's not what this is about. But the added into it to help with the character journeys, I'll give it a seven for that reason. Cool, Jamie. Um, I think I'll give it a five because um, I think it handled some stuff well, um, but kind of like to lean too much on the like nerdy girl trope blah 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 and that, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel real but like i think the mom was like more more of a real character sure uh, i'll give it a five two i don't think it does a bad job i don't think it does an exceptional job but it does a mm-hmm. job it does a job um <laughs> let's go with scares how scary was it there were a few jump scares that i was like oh this is cute I mean, I'm still going to give it like, um, well, yeah, because jump scares are cute to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll give it, I'll give it a four. All right. Jamie? Uh, I think I'll give it a two. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't really that spooky to me. No. I'm I'm giving it a one. It wasn't that spooky to me. Oh, Brian's so brave. I am a brave. (laughs) I'm a I'm a brave bad boy podcasting. Um, I'm a big brave boy. Yes. <laughs> shakes. Are you gonna remember it? Are you, is this something that one and done? Are you gonna shake it off? Like, I give it a, right. Shake, shake. Uh, I'll give it a two. It's like a. This is cute. I appreciate this for what it is, but it's not something that I'm gonna run and tell people like you must watch this. Sure. Jamie. Yeah, I think it also gets a two from me. Um, yeah. And uh yeah, I'll I'll go to four. Oh wow. um okay, cool. What uh what suggestions do you have? What else should people watch? Well now I'm trying to think of summer shenanigan movies. <laughs> I mean mine isn't a horror movie per se. Ooh. But it has like I mean it has spooky moments. Um but like this this kind of felt like the Goonies to me. So I'm recommending the Goonies, not a horror movie, but has some horrific moments, if you will. Um, But very like kid adventure movie um, with some medium stakes going on. Right. I will say movies like this make me want to watch the OG because I want to see all of the connections and all the Easter eggs to get everything. And Mm -hmm. I feel like some of my disconnect was because I'm not so familiar with the first one. So I'll suggest watch the first one and watch this one. If you've already watched this one, go back and watch the first one and see if you can get the pieces, fit the pieces together. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, there's obviously Ghostbusters too. Um, I'm in, but I'm going to say the monster squad. Mm -hmm. Monster Squad. I love it. Or the win. 
it's uh it's goonies-esque um there's so there's also so much out there that you could even talk about watching now like you can suggest all the new star wars movies anything where like the people from 30 years ago are now like getting jobs again and playing the same people that they played 30 years ago like i feel like any of those whether they're good or bad could totally fit into this category so i'm happy we kind of went with tone and stuff like that and speaking on that, at the theater, I'm sure y'all saw it too, but there was the Scream trailer and all of the actors talking about yeah, getting uh-huh. back into the things. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a very exciting moment. Uh, but in you saying that people playing their, you know, selves 30 years later, 40 years later, it's been 40 years. I was thinking of Halloween the whole time. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Just watch the whole Halloween franchise. You'll feel good about yourself. Grand. I think that sums it up. Yes? Yes. Nailed it. This has been Ghostbusters Afterlife. Thank you for listening. You can follow us at Talk Horror Pod on the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok. Talk Horror Pod. Give us suggestions. Let us know you're listening. Uh, Yeah. Where can they listen to us, Brian? Yeah, they can find us wherever they get their podcasts. Uh, That includes things like Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Thank you. And hopefully it won't take 46 episodes for us to find our own voice. (laughs) (laughs) In this podcast. Actually, how many episodes? What have we done in this moment? Like, what would this episode be? What number? Uh, this is episode 27. I don't know why I thought we already reached 30. Wow. Uh, no, this is not episode 27. Uh, <laughs> that is a lie. Um, wow. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to lie to everybody here. Um, this is episode... Tw- oh, I don't know. 28, maybe? So we're closing including, then. Including the teaser... Uh oh! Do and we did a, a a a season two trailer type thing. So if you include those, I think this is like twenty eight something like that. Okay, work getting on up there. Yeah, all good know. things. Like <laughs> We're getting to forty six. Yes. Well, great. Well, all that's left to do is call the Ghostbusters, play the theme music. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Cool.